0: You're listening to the Truth in Boots podcast. Join me as we search the Bible for truth about our God, for hope to encourage us through hard trials and struggles, and for answers for anyone who questions our faith. The truth of God's Word is not fragile, impractical, and only used on special occasions like a pair of stiletto heels. God's Word, like a pair of sturdy boots, is meant to be put to work daily and is designed to protect us and help us through the mud, streams, and rocks of life. Hi guys, welcome back to the Truth in Boots podcast. I hope that this series is a great encouragement to you as I share my own struggles and speak from my heart. I covet your prayers and ask that you keep praying as I keep teaching to you that I do speak God's word, not my own thoughts, not my own opinions, but what God wants me to speak. I do also want to mention that I am taking several of my points from the book, Winning the Inner War by Erwin Lutzer. It's a great read. So if you want to study more on this, go online. It's a couple decades old, so you might even be able to find some used books. Today's topic is going to be overcoming temptation by obtaining the right perspective, God's perspective. Satan loves to tell us lies, and those lies prevent us from wanting to overcome temptation, from being able to overcome temptation. We believe that we never will be able to kick this sin, that God's not who he says he is. I mean, it's many different things. Um, But we don't always recognize these lies we're telling ourselves. For example, You might have named your struggle as the inability to get to work in time in the morning. I mean, you've tried everything to get up when your alarm clock goes off, but you just can't resist the temptation to hit the snooze button and keep sleeping. Now, the solution is not moving the alarm clock across the room, getting a more annoying one, or even connecting it to a hose so that when the alarm goes off, the hose blasts you with water. That's not the solution. For example, you might not be able to wake up on time because you're staying up late watching TV. Um, So maybe that's something you have to take care of. Or maybe you are addicted to staying up late because you want to have quote-unquote fun since you deserve it after a long day of work. So really, the problem's not oversleeping. The problem is that you don't view your life the way God views it, because I guarantee you, if you have a dream vacation that you have to get up at 3 a.m. for, you will be up the moment that alarm's off. So until you view your life the way God views it and accept his priorities, you won't be able to wake up on time. You need to get the right perspective, God's perspective on how to live your life. So let's take a look at several things that we have to change our mindsets on. First, you have to recognize why you want to change. James 4:3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly, to spend it on your passions. Do you ask for God's help to consume it upon your own lusts? Or do you truly want to surrender your life to God? For example, in the alarm clock illustration, you may want to change just because you're in trouble at work for constantly being late. So in order to not get fired, you want to change. But that's not the right reason to change. You should want to change because you want to get your priorities in line with God's value work like he does and put the appropriate place on pleasure and sleep. Another example might be you are trying to stop a eating problem. You eat when you're emotional or you eat because you want to or because it's, or you eat because it's just sitting there and it tastes good. You can't deny yourself. So are you asking God to help you find victory over your eating because you want to look thinner and in your mind be more beautiful or because it will make you healthier and a better steward of the body God gave you. Now, going back to my fantasy struggle, um, for those who may not have caught the first podcast, I have struggled for many years with fantasies. I want to live my life in a, a fantasy world, Um, in my mind of someplace that I can control or someplace that I think is better than what this is. And I've spent hours and hours and hours during the day, going to bed at night in this other land. Um, And the main reason I didn't find victory over my fantasy sin in my teen years was that I was just tired of feeling guilty about these lustful thoughts I was having or about wanting this and wanting that, knowing God does not want me to behave this way or think this way. So I was just guilty. Or um, I wanted time for another activity. I recognized, hey, I should not be spending four hours on a Saturday morning living a life that doesn't exist. I want to be doing this instead. But it wasn't until I completely surrendered my life to Christ, instead of trying to hold back some of it for myself, that I had the right perspective. So recognize why you want to change. It may take a bit of digging. You may actually have to ask someone else to help you, to counsel you on this. But do the work to really evaluate your reasons for why you're wanting freedom from this sin. Second, you need to recognize the truth of temptation. Temptation is not sin. Let me say that again. Temptation is not sin. You are not failing God when you are tempted. Hebrews 4:15 says, "For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin." Christ was tempted. The Bible's very clear about this. Christ was tempted um, in the wilderness, in the Garden of Gethsemane, many other points that's not disclosed, I'm sure. But the Bible is also very clear that Christ never sinned. So temptation is not sin, but giving in to that temptation is the sin. Being tempted to hit the snooze button in the morning is not sin. It's actually, the sin is actually hitting that button. Also note that you always have temptation in your life. Now, this was what tripped me up also in my own struggle with my sin. Now, we live in a sin-cursed world, so we can't expect that temptation to ever go away. So when that temptation came back after a period of victory, I thought, see of course, I knew I couldn't get victory over this. But the reality is, I still had victory until I actually gave in to the temptation. Satan loves to bring these thoughts back into my mind, even when I have had consistent victory. It's It's been, you know, months, maybe a few years, and then suddenly, oh don't you want to think about um, finishing this story here? Or wouldn't it be fun to dwell over here in this? And if I am faithful to my study of scriptures, then those thoughts come into my mind. I'm like, uh, no, that's stupid. Why would I want to go back to that? And they go out of my mind. So don't fall to the lie of you're a mature Christian now and shouldn't be tempted with this same issue. That is a blatant lie. The temptation will stay. It may not come every day. It may be a few years before it comes back to you. But your ability to resist the temptation will improve with your spiritual maturity. Go back and listen to Hebrews Part 7, the podcast series that my friend Jamie did for us. In that episode, she talks about endurance and how we have to endure, we have to press on through our Christian life. And she likened that to exercising. And I think it is a great illustration of what happens when we resist temptation. Because in the beginning, the 10-pound weight you're trying to pick up is really heavy. But as you work at it day by day and resist that, that weight, that temptation... You will build up the spiritual strength to be able to resist it more easily. So as long as you are in, quote unquote, good spiritual shape, that you are spending daily quiet time with God, that you are seeking your Savior, that you are worshiping Him, that is when you have the spiritual strength to Continue resisting that temptation. So, temptation not a sin. You will always have temptation in your life. And thirdly, temptation is a call to battle, an opportunity. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God says, thank him about everything that includes your temptation. Whatever comes into your life. So use this temptation as an opportunity to remind yourself that this is a chance to show God that you choose him instead of your sin. Thank him for the reminder that you need him, that you cannot rely upon yourself. I think of Paul's desperate plea that God remove a certain thorn from him. And then in the end, Paul realizes, you know, I will thank you for this instead and praise you because when I am weak, then I am strong. It's when you recognize that you need God, that's when you have the ability to praise him and thank him and obtain the power you need from him. So recognize why you want to change. Recognize the truth of temptation And third, recognize that feelings should not drive your life. Remember the command to love our neighbor? And Christ clarifies that includes your enemy. Note that command doesn't say that you need to feel a good emotion toward him. But you're just supposed to act in love. That is the biblical definition of love. Choosing to put someone else above your own self. That's agape. I think we get distracted frequently by the way we think we should be feeling as Christians from the reality that we still live in a sin-cursed world. So life is going to be hard. There is going to be heartaches. But feelings are not what should drive your life. We all like to quote Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the fruit of the spirit. That's like the the golden pillar of what our Christian life should be like. But we forget that, first of all, that's fruit of the spirit. That's what happens when we yield our life to God's control and the spirit works through us to produce that fruit. But the second thing I've come to realize in the last few months is that all those fruits are choices, are actions. They're not emotions. The fruit of the spirit is love, choosing to put another's well-being above your own. It's peace, the choice to trust God and accept his plan for your life, even in trials. It's self-control, the choice to deny your own gratification in favor of God's priorities. Now you may say, but joy's listed there too, Kathleen. I mean, joy is part of the Christian life, and that's something that should be the fruit of the spirit. So I'm supposed to be happy. No, 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 no. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is the emotion. Joy is choosing to be satisfied with what God has given you, with the way he wants you to live your life. I challenge you to go study that out in scripture. It's something that I've just come to realize myself. But all of these fruit of the, fruits of the Spirit are choices. They're not emotions. They're not feelings. For a great biblical example of how emotions should not drive our choices, go look at Christ. Christ was greatly emotionally distressed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mark fourteen thirty-two 32-35 says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And one of the other gospels says he was so distressed, so emotionally in anguish that he sweat drops of blood. Christ was emotionally distressed, but he chose not to let those emotions dictate his actions. He subjected his will to God's plan and was willing to go to the cross and die for us, even though his emotions were not on board with that. Fourthly, recognize that you are dead to sin. Romans 6:11 and 14 say, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. The old master employer's sin can no longer make demands on you. You serve a new employer now. God. So if your old boss calls you up and tells you, Okay, you get, better get into work right now or else would you go? Of course not. He has no more power over you. He can't fire you. He can't withhold your paycheck. He can't make your life miserable with your work environment. You do not answer to that boss anymore. You have a new boss. You don't have to give in to the temptation because you are already free from that sin. Also, you don't have to beg God to make you dead from sin. Sometimes we think, oh, I just need to be dead to this sin. I, I'm not dead to this sin yet. God, make me dead to this sin. No, you are dead. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. You are free. John eight thirty four through 35 says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You are dead to sin. Christ already has the victory over that. So you do not have to obey it. When the temptation comes, it's not inevitable that you have to give in. Christ already has that victory for you. So we've seen that we have to recognize why we want to change and make sure it's according to God's reasons and priorities, not to be spent upon our own passions and lusts. Second, we had to recognize the truth of temptation. It's not a sin. We will always have temptation in the sin-cursed world, but we have to remember it's a, an opportunity to thank God, a call to battle, to choose him instead of ourselves. Thirdly, we have to recognize that feelings are not what should be driving our life. Christ overcame great anguish to choose to serve God and not to sin. We are dead to sin. We don't have to obey it. And finally, you need to recognize that the ultimate goal is not victory over sin. That is not the reason you are put on this earth. God created you for his glory your purpose is to seek god himself augustine wrote o lord thou hast made us for thyself and our hearts are restless until they find their all in thee psalm 63 1 says this so beautifully you god are my god earnestly i seek you i thirst for you my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I recently took a vacation to the, to the Grand Canyon, the desert. And let me tell you, water in that desert was of greatest importance to me. We would hike away from the Colorado River up elevation and with the heat of 110 um, in the August beating down on us, you would quickly get very thirsty. Your tongue would stick to the roof of your mouth, you know, if you have not been drinking. The heat off the rocks was just oppressive. And that is the picture that David is painting here. We are in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Nothing around you will satisfy you. If you were presented with a steak, the best steak in the world, you will not want that steak if you are parched. You'll want the water instead. The most luscious dessert you can think of is not going to be appealing for you. You will want that water instead. That thirst comes first, and it is a driving force for your body to do anything you need to be able to get that water if you are dehydrated. So we need to thirst for God like we're in a desert. Our soul needs to long for him like he is our only source of satisfaction. John 7:37. on the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The water that we get from Christ satiates us. Nothing around us will. There may be stuff that claims it will quench your thirst, but it, it won't. It will leave you thirstier. Victory from sin will only come when you seek relationship with God, because victory is the result of that relationship. To show you an example of this from my own life, my own struggles, I had sought God several times throughout my teen and college years, but I had to get the foundations right, the right perspective, and deal with the lies that I was believing before I was able to get victory, consistent victory. And once I had that, the temptation to live my life in a fantasy did not go away abruptly. Or dramatically, There wasn't a, a day that, oh, everything's gone. Now, you may experience that, and that is wonderful. I've heard beautiful testimonies of people that have had that sudden and free release from their temptations and from their sins. But that was not me. I was going through a particularly tough period in my college years, um, heavy class load, heavy workload, Um, I was just sapped of all strength. And at the beginning of the spring semester, I had realized I no longer wanted my sin. I was disgusted with it, but it was an addictive behavior that I was trying to overcome. So it was hard to get rid of it. But I just made myself each day be dedicated to setting apart a quiet hour, or not even an hour, 30 minutes with my God. I had a free period in the morning, so I did not have my devotions when I first woke up in the morning. It was the 9 a.m. hour. I would head over to the campus library, find a stool buried in walls and walls of books where I would not be distracted by anything. And I would open the God's word and just read and pray and seek Him because I realized I was at the end of my own strength for what was going on in my life. And after a few months of earnestly seeking and desiring my God, it dawned on me that I had not had a temptation to fantasize in weeks. It was gone the temptation had just gradually faded away as I sought my God. It wasn't dramatic. It was quiet. It was beautiful. And that's when I realized that the years of hearing pastors and other spiritual leaders tell me I need to have a daily quiet time with my God was so important It's because of this, without my daily quiet time with God, I have no spiritual strength. I would have still been struggling to overcome my sin because I was doing it all on my own. But when I turned my focus on my Savior, that is when He started working through me to change my desires, to ease my burdens, That's when I started walking in true victory with this sin. Now, every once in a while, I do get a temptation. And it's if that temptation comes back when I have not been faithful with my study of God's word, with my quiet time with him, that is when I do succumb to the sin. And that's what happened last fall when I was going through postpartum. I was not having my quiet time with God. And that is when I fell again into this sin. But even when I fall, I need to remind myself of the truth of 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Spend your time seeking to know him who is faithful to us no matter what we do. God will not cast us off no matter how badly we mess up. Because to do that, he would cease to be God. So use your time and energy to search the scriptures for the truth about who your savior is. He's amazing. Recognize there's no quick fix to your issues. It's something that God will have to slowly do. He holds your heart. Focus on God, not yourself. And you'll start wanting to serve and please him with a thirst that will overcome any other desire that you have. To help you begin meditating on your Lord and getting into the right mindset, I'd like to remind you of who he is and what he's done for you by reading the words to a beautiful hymn, And Can It Be? The words are by Charles Wesley. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? For me who him to death pursued? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, humbled himself, and came in love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for, oh, my God, it found out me. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus, and all in him, is mine. Alive in him, my living head and clothed in righteousness divine bold i approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through christ my own